Good morning. Welcome again to Rio Norte Junior High School. I'm glad to be back here. Bam! Waking up. <laughs> there we go. Got some volume. So this is, this is exciting to be here. This was a location that way back in, I think, um, 2019, I think it was, when we first uh, got the vision to plant our church. I was still living in Riverside, and I wanted to find a location in Santa Clarita where we could start a church. And I actually had my eyes set on Rio Norte Junior High. But when, of course, when we moved in 2020, it was uh, during COVID. And so we started in my backyard Then we went to a park. We were all kinds of places. Then we finally made it to this spot in October of 21. 2021 and then we were only here for about three months <laughs> and then things got covid got ramped up again and so we had to move and so but we're back and so this is a, a special place i'm glad that we're here i really god did a lot in the few months that we were here in fact even though we were here only three months there was a, a really big outreach we did a sports camp for a week-long program um, out on the fields here we met a lot of people through that and i don't know it was it was exciting god brought people to our church during that brief time. He's brought people to our church while we were at that building on Seiko Canyon, and we're back here now. And so I'm really excited. I, I think sometimes when there's obstacles and there's roadblocks before you do something big and important, to me at least it feels like maybe I'm on the right track. If there's a lot of challenges I'm, I'm, I need to overcome, then maybe I need to keep pushing through. And that, this week has definitely felt like that. Um, throughout the whole week, all the way up through this morning, actually. It started, so it started last week where I, uh, we, we did our big trailer load-up day. And uh, many of you helped us load up our trailer from Seiko Canyon so we can move here. And when I was returning the trailer to the field where we park it, one of the tires blew, which probably, if you guys saw the trailer, probably not totally shocked because they, everyone's like, you, got, you probably need to get those replaced. It turns out, they did need to be replaced. And uh, I actually, I hit a curb a little bit when I was driving and um, I showed a picture to Brent. He's like, it doesn't look like it was a little bit. <laughs> I was like, I'm trying to make it sound better. I just grazed a curb and uh, the tire blew. Oh yeah, so you can see. So the, the tire just basically ripped, like half of the tire ripped and then um, the rim got broken as well. And so I'm like, okay, so that's, hey, there's a problem. I can fix that problem. I got it parked. The next day, on, which was Monday, I went to go get it so I could take it to the tire shop. Monday was raining like crazy. It was pouring that day. And so I went to go get it, and then the truck and trailer got stuck in the mud. So I have a, this is actually a later, this is a sunny day. When I was there stuck in the mud, it was, uh, swamp, it was swampy, a few inches of rain, and I didn't feel like taking any pictures. So I don't have any pictures from that day. Um, so I, what I did was, uh, I was like, okay, I've got this extremely heavy trailer stuck in the mud, and I need to solve that problem before I can solve the blown tire problem, all before Sunday. And so basically, I, got, I emailed some of the guys who have experience with trailers and stuff like that, and one suggested these um, traction boards to help you get out of sand and snow and mud. And so I was like, okay, I used those. I waited two days until the rain stopped, got the traction boards, and I put them under the tire, and as soon as I tried to give it a little gas, the traction boards went like, <laughs> and it just flew out. So that didn't really work. There's just so much weight on, on the trailer. And so I don't know what I'm gonna do, trying to figure this out. And then uh, James came to help me with his truck. 
And so we, uh, we started towing it, and um, this was, uh, so we hit his, he's got a big, strong truck. The truck, we didn't have a problem with power. We had a tremendous amount of power on the field. The problem was traction. And so, so both of us have got our tires spinning now. So the, that white truck, which we're using for church, was like digging a small crater into the field. And we, were, we tried a bunch of things. We got bricks under there, trees and traction boards, and uh, we kept not doing, being able to really get out. And James was starting to get stuck too. So now I'm thinking, I don't know if we're going to have church on Sunday the way I've been envisioning. I'm like about to email you. We're going to have simple church, everybody. We're going to sit in a circle on the floor. It's, I'm, like, I'm like, what am I going to do? I don't, I just like, it's one of those things like I just, the problem seems to be bigger than I really know how to solve. And so we tried, a, we tried a few different things. And so we actually unloaded the trailer so into the grass, which is really not that great because all of this equipment gets, sinks into the mud. But it, we don't really have a lot of options. So we, uh, we unloaded everything. And um, these things roll so great on concrete, they roll not at all in the mud. <laughs> so they need to be lifted. Um, and so we did that. And um, so then. We tried it again, and um, okay, so this is, this is the picture of us finally making it into, onto the concrete. So what happened was, we, had, we gave it one more try. We unloaded everything, we changed the position of the trucks, and we're, we're pulling it out. And every time we, that we tried to give it gas before, it was, um, the tires would spin. So as soon as like, I give it a little gas, like when it starts spinning, you're like, oh, it just, that makes the problem worse right away. So after we did this, I, t I asked James, I was like, do you even, this was on his lunch break. I was like, do you even have time to help me with this? He's like, not really. But he's like, let's just keep trying it. And so um, we tried it. We tried one more position. We're like, if this doesn't work, um, we're gonna have to, we, we'll have to do something else, something totally different. We'll have to figure out a different solution. And um, I, was, I had in my mind our, our message from last week, which we looked at Colossians 1. And it talks about um, striving with all of, his mighty strength that works so powerfully within us. And so I'm like, we, and I, so I'm like, I preached last week about God's mighty strength and his power, which is phenomenally huge. So I just prayed. I was like, Lord, so we took a minute to pray, like, Lord, you have the most mighty and glorious strength that there is. Would you just give us a little push <laughs> with your big strength? And um, the first few times I prayed that, there weren't actually no results, but we gave it one more try after we got everything set up in a new configuration with the trailer unloaded. Gave it a little bit of gas, and it went, and then we got an inch, and then we got an inch, and then we got six inches, and then we rolled onto the concrete, and we got out of the truck. We started like body thumping and like hugging each other and like celebrating, and uh, we were, oh man, it was, we just praised the Lord. We we're like, God totally answered our prayer. I do actually think that God did give us a push because the tires were about to spin again, which would have ruined the whole thing, and uh, it was just, it was just a little momentum that we needed to get out. And so here's, here's the remains of the crater with all of our stuff in the background. This is just where one of the tires was. Um, and so this was, a big, this, was a, this was a big part of my week this week, is <laughs> dealing with the rain and the mud and all of this stuff. And so then um, I needed help. Oh, the other exciting thing was um, this was on Thursday. So we're getting pretty close to the weekend. And so now I still have the blown tire problem. So I go to a tire shop. And um, the guy, when I rolled up, the guy who's working there, he's like, 
those tires are really old. Actually, he used a swear word, but he's like, those tires are <laughs> effing old. And I was like, I know, that's why I'm here. He's like, one of your, one of your wheels is broken. I was like, I know, <laughs> that's why I'm here. He's like, all right. So uh, he's like, well, we, got, we have four of those tires, but we don't have a wheel. We have to order the wheel. I'm like, oh, man. And then another guy runs in. He's like, no, we have one more of those wheels and all four tires, and we can have you out of here in about an hour. I was like, yes. So that all happened. That was on the end of Thursday, right at, at, at the end of the day. Then I asked for some help from some other guys again. John came over. Um, we, I needed somebody really strong to help me load all the stuff back into the trailer. So I knew who to call. He muscled well in there with me. And uh, as soon as I got all the stuff back in, trailer door closed, rolled back onto concrete. I felt so good. <laughs> I was like, all right, we are in shape. I think Sunday is going to happen after all. And um, so that was, that, was a, that, was ex- that was a big, big challenge with a lot of prayer and many of you guys helping out and giving advice and jumping in at different, at different moments for that. And so that was great. That was also, I was encouraged by how God did that. I was also encouraged by that trailer load-up day that we did last Sunday where... You know, our last day in Seiko Canyon, um, I just said, okay, here's our chance to team together and get ready for the next chapter. And you guys can be a part of some physical labor that's required. And so um, we had a bunch of people jumping in right after service, um, breaking down the chairs. (laughs) Yeah, there we go, thanks. Um, Some kids were testing out our new um, rolling cart, so all the equipment. We almost just left them in there until next Sunday. (laughs) Said, we'll see you guys. Um, Brent was doing some uh, repairs on the trailer. It kind of looks like they're all like Padawans, like learning from the master um, about how to fix trailers. And the exciting thing, all, all of that, there was a lot of work. It took many hours to get everything done. And we still have, you know, as Barry mentioned, there's another half of the project still yet to do. But there, the work that was needed for today was done with excellence and with a lot of hands. In fact, we ran out of food. We were provided lunch for everybody. We ran out of food twice <laughs> because, man, there was such an eager responsiveness from so many of you to, to be a part of that. And that was really exciting. Also, I got a text later that day from uh, Matt Green. Uh, Matt and Carly are part of our church. They actually live right across the street, and so they're traveling right now. But um, we, always, we always joke about, like, if they're late, we'll just throw a rock at, the, at their window <laughs> from here. But um, Matt Green, he texted me, and uh, he said in the morning, last Sunday, before he's, he's getting ready for a church, he snapped a photo of, um, this is from his house, looking at Rio Norte, and there was a rainbow. The rainbow goes right onto, this is uh, the building we're in right now. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm not like totally crazy into like weird signs and stuff like that, but I'm like, that's pretty awesome. Last the last day we're getting ready to move and there's this beautiful rainbow pointing to this building right here. I'm like, it's pretty awesome. Matt's like, I think it's a sign from God. I'm like, I'm going with that. So uh, God was just providing. This whole week, God has been providing. Um, it hasn't been perfectly smooth. It's actually, there's been a lot of um, muscle and grit and determination required from all of us together to get to where we are which is often, I think, the way it is. God does provide the help, and he does provide the path. It does often require a lot of work on our part. And so here's, a, here's our group photo from last Sunday. This is kind of our tradition. We take a uh, group photo with everyone. 
who's present on the last Sunday we're in any of our locations. And so we've got a handful of these types of photos now. And so this was, this was a, a, just a snapshot of our church. And so I really do appreciate all of you helping and teaming and moving with us and just being a part of what God is doing through Valley Lights and in Santa Clarita for all the people that we're trying to reach. And so a question that may be on your mind and, oh, I actually didn't tell you that. Okay, the one, one more challenge. So I said challenges all Sunday, all the way up till today. So we unloaded the trailer and then I went to go park it over there out of the way. I hit something else. I hit um, the solar panels. Um, and so actually, if the trailer fits under the solar panels, but there's these metal beams that hold them up. And so I went and um, the beam just kind of like did like one of those anchovy can opens, like things. So the trailer's got a big hole in the roof now, currently, as of you know two hours ago. So another challenge you guys can maybe help me fix. <laughs> there's just, I just thought, man, I just like, there's just nonstop things, like nonstop obstacles, but we're still going and we'll keep, we'll keep moving forward. So who knows? Hey, if there's any challenges in your personal life, by the way, also this week, last week, I wouldn't be surprised. There's been plenty in my personal life as well. So God's, uh, God's going to keep moving us forward if we keep persisting. The enemy will try to stop the work that's happening here. So what is, what, what is the next goal? This may be a question on your mind. What is next for our church? We're in a new spot. We're in a new location. Is, does anything change? What changes? Really, the goal right now is to grow by engaging the unreached. Here's our goal. Grow by engaging the unreached. So you see a snapshot of our church family right there. Some of you weren't there last week, so you're not in there, but um, this is just a, a representation of Valley Lights. So I think, I think what God wants is, and the exciting thing is this past year, we didn't grow a lot, very much numerically. So that the number of heads on Sunday morning didn't increase that much over 2022. Uh, but there's been phenomenal growth in uh, many of you. We had a number of people come to Christ. Um, we had two baptisms, a number of people getting um, in discipleship groups, learning how to do quiet time, learning how to do evangelism. And uh, also we, we started our membership process where many of you have committed as members. And so, the exciting thing, 2022 was a year of, of very significant personal growth. Uh, I, I think, I, think I, I do sense and I do pray for now some numerical growth where we're able to, to reach people. And, and when I say unreached, I mean people that are not reached by God or by church. They're not in a church somewhere. They're not walking with God. They're distant from him, living life on their own. And that's who we want to reach. There's, there's a, a number of fantastic churches in Santa Clarita, and many of them have a lot of great Christians, and so if Christians are plugged into a church somewhere else, I prefer they stay where they're plugged in and grow there. We want to go after the vast majority of people in this city who are totally disconnected from God. And so I think this location presents an opportunity that the other location previously lacked, and so like I said, we had a hard time attracting people. We'd actually try to do, we did some outreach and some signs and some promotion and all that. It was, we really had a hard time attracting new people in that, that past location. I think we have perhaps a greater ability to attract more people here. And so 
short term, so kind of two big moments for us this spring, I think, is February 5th, which will be our grand reopening. That's in four weeks, three or four weeks. Um, and so we'll do some promotion for that. The next few Sundays we'll be working on, um, we actually did a pretty amazing job. You guys, the setup in the gym and in here is pretty excellent. Things look really good. I think we, everyone probably has an idea of some things we can improve, maybe some more things we can buy, or just whatever, to make this as excellent as possible. So the next few weeks, we're working out the kinks. So February 5th is going to be our grand reopening. And so that, the, the short-term goal for us on that is to get the word out, we're back. You know, some people may have known that we were here before, but we're back in town, in this region anyway. And there may be new people who have moved in to this surrounding community that we can uh, attract and get to know. And so the short-term goal is to, to boost our visibility in February. The second big moment is Easter, and that's going to be happening on um, April 9th. And so there's a great opportunity for us to build some momentum and build some um, notice and really go big on the Easter invite. And so I think with those two things in combination with us trying to invite and invest in people in our own lives, uh, we have a real opportunity to, to meet this goal, is grow by engaging the unreached. So for you, you may, you may be wondering, okay, what, where am I needed most then? What, what should I do? What role should I have here at this church? What, how can I help make this next season successful? One thing that you can help out with is by making a fresh commitment to one of our Sunday volunteer teams. And this location requires the setup, which is going to be from starting at 8 o'clock, and then our teardown. Um, service ends somewhere around 11 to 11.15. Teardown hopefully happens by noon. And so what we'll need is some fresh commitments from volunteers to help with either the setup or the teardown. Or the other teams. We have a hospitality team. We have our children's ministry. So there's many people working in our kids' ministry at this moment. Um, we have sight and sound and worship. And uh, maybe so many of you are already plugged into those teams. But if you if you wanted to, to increase your commitment and maybe uh, commit to a monthly rotation, you know I'll help out on this team uh, every Sunday for a month. That would, that would actually be a very big help. We need, we need more muscle, and we need some more hands on board to make the thing run. Um, another thing that you could help out with to make this next season successful is by striking up conversation with guests. So we'll have some new people come in. There'll be new faces. And, you know, we, we carve out the first five after our services. That's an opportunity. But whether it's the first five or before or after church or just when you see people around, if there's somebody that you don't really know, go ahead and just strike up a conversation. We, we want to include people into the environment that we have here in the community. That could really help us. Even if you're not a very outgoing person or a chatty person, you could actually be a big help. Maybe the person you talk to is not very outgoing or chatty either, but you're just the right person to make that person feel at home. In addition to that, some other ways that you can help out make us successful is by inviting your people and investing time in your people. So you've got neighbors, you've got family members, you've got coworkers. There's, there's people in your life that you know, that I don't know, that is unknown to Valley Lights, but you know people. And you know people that 
I, I, do you know, is anybody that you're connected to relationally that doesn't go to church right now? Is that, was that the case for most of you guys? You probably do. So there's probably in this room a massive web, a network of relationships. There's many, many people that we're all connected to collectively that don't know God, that are unreached. And if you invest time in those relationships and invite them to either church or church events or fun things that we have going on, or you just invite them over to your house, or you invite them over and maybe there's, you invite someone else, some other, another friend from Valley Lights, and you can connect people, that will really help if we're able to grow, not just from, I do hope that we grow from like the bigger, broader promotion that we do, but I actually want to grow through the people that you know, just like the organic relational community stuff. And so you can help in that way. So I'm excited for all of this. I've been praying a lot about um, this objective. I've been, come, even before we moved here, I've been coming up and, and working out of the coffee shop here and walking around this big block to pray for this area and for the school and for the people living in these houses and just praying that God would um, make people receptive to the gospel. And so that's, that's exciting. I do want to announce one other thing uh, that's a step of commitment as well. So we have a membership process. And so I had mentioned this past year, we've, uh, people have, a number of people have committed as members of Valley Lights. And so I want to announce some of the people that have recently become members and committed. And so uh, a bunch of you are already members. You're, those of you that have made that commitment to our mission and our values, um, your commitment to those things means a, a lot to me and really impacts the church greatly. And it really does bring a lot of encouragement to we who are members to see other people committing as members. And so, and really committing, this is a family, committing to this family. So um, let me throw next screen on the, slot, on, the on the TV there. All these people com completed our membership class and the membership process. And then um, there, it ends with a one-on-one um, -on -one or a two-on-two, -two, Aaron and I, and we just get together to talk through those, the mission and the values and make sure that there's alignment. And so all these people have committed the whole process. And so I'm going to read your name, and then um, after, and when I do, you can stand, and then I'll, um, we'll cheer for you, and then I'll pray for you. Um, so when I read your name, you can stand. Um, all right, and then remain standing. So we've got Christian and Maddie Martinez. Joseph Terpsik, Aliasha Zafar, Zare Cruz standing in the back, and James and Caitlin Jones. There we go. Praise God. So these are our new members. Your wife's in Kid Zone, and Aliasha, I think, is in Bangladesh. So you're going to have to clap even louder for her to hear. <laughs> so um, let, me, let me pray for you guys. Father, we thank you so much for using this whole body and for these individuals that have recently made a clear and firm commitment to uh, pursue the mission that you've given our church, which is the mission of, that you've given all of us as Christians, to, to go and make disciples of all nations and really to glorify you with our lives. So I pray that you bless these individuals for their taking a step of faith and a step of commitment towards the things of Christ. And would you allow all of us as a body to uh, advance towards the mission you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks, you guys. You can be seated. So those are, that was my announcements section. I've just given you all my announcements for the day, which was very important for me to tell you all that. So I do, I actually, one of the things that we started last week 
was looking at the, the book of Colossians. And I wanted to look at this letter from the Bible during January because it's all about how to grow firm faith, be like strongly rooted in your faith. And I thought as we make some transitions and as we really try to launch out, it'd be good to have ourselves really rooted and grounded in Christ and really be drawing our source and drawing on him as our source. And so uh, what I'm going to do is I, I started last week, we, we looked through chapter one, actually a portion of chapter one. Today we're going to look at chapter two. And there's a lot in it. If you've ever studied this letter, you know how dense and rich it is. And so I'm not going to be able, in the time that I have left, I'll be able to treat it very deeply. But I think you'll find some things that will be encouraging to you as you think about your own walk with God. And you think about areas in your own life where maybe you need some additional strength or rooting in Christ. And so if you have a Bible, you can, you can turn to chapter 2. I'm going to actually read through all of it. But just to kind of frame up where we are in this um, arrangement, there, there's a lot of ideas out there about what it means to be a Christian. So you, maybe, you, you know, there's, there's ideas about how do you become a Christian? How should Christians behave? There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of ideas about that. How, what standards and lifestyles should Christians have, and how should, we, how should we view those things? Occasionally, you might come across somebody who has different ideas than you about what a Christian is or what it means to be one. You, and actually, some people may even accuse you of being off the mark, saying that you're, you're not doing it right or you're living in an inferior Christian life. If you aren't practicing your faith a certain way, Maybe that makes you a second-class Christian. Or in a moment of tension, someone might say, if you, now, if you were a real Christian, you would da-da-da-da and fill in the blank with whatever idea they may have in mind. So those, those kinds of tensions or ideas or redefinitions, maybe those conversations have happened to you, maybe not. If it does, it may cause you to either get frustrated or maybe even to second-guess yourself. Or you might feel obligated or pressured into doing certain things. This kind of thing was happening to the Christ followers at the church in Colossae. Paul wrote this letter to these Colossians to help them sort through the pressures that they were facing from other people. And like I said, so we're walking through these, these four chapters in Colossians. So four Sundays in January in a row. And this is really going to be a study that will help us get even more rooted in Jesus. But here's, here's the big idea that we're going to look at, is our standing with God is dependent on one thing only, and it's Jesus. And if you're the circling type, you can just circle that word Jesus, <laughs> because our standing, like if you think about, am I, am I good with God? Am I okay right now? That really only depends on one thing. It's on Jesus. We can, it can be tempting to add on to Jesus, but we'll see that there's a beautiful simplicity to finding peace with God. Jesus Christ is our totally sufficient source of hope and peace. And so in our text today, um, we're going to read through Colossians chapter 2. So let me just read this. I'm not going to, I'm going to explain all the details. I'll, I'll hit a few of the highlights here. Paul says, For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love, so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, 
Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And now he explains kind of why he's talking this way. He says, I'm saying this so that no one will deceive you with arguments that sound reasonable. So what happens is you go through life and people say things that sound very reasonable. They have ideas about how society should be or how you should live and or like what kind of things you should do with your time. You're like, oh, that's, that seems reasonable. Maybe I shouldn't do that. And then you can, we can be easily deceived. He says, I don't, he's like, I don't want you to be deceived so easily. Um, he says, for I may be absent in body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well-ordered you are in the strength of your faith in Christ. So this was a big goal for Paul, to see them be firmly rooted in their faith in Christ and not deceived. Basically, he's saying all you need is Jesus. For you to be well-ordered, for you to have strong faith, and as he mentions, the, the riches of complete understanding, it's all found in Jesus Christ. The complete Christian experience is incredibly accessible. Sometimes it feels like, oh, how do, how do I get all that God wants for me? It, you know, it, he's actually made it pretty accessible. God has put the riches of the gospel on the bottom shelf for all of us. But there is a danger. Verse 8, he says, Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. So basically, he's talking about how in this time, the secular, the Greek society around the Colossians, as well as the religious Jewish leaders, so you've got the secular world and the religious world, both groups were trying to influence these believers. They're trying to add on requirements that Jesus never required, intended. And I think sometimes for us that can happen too. The world that we live in puts a lot of pressure on us. The world can make you feel guilty about how you're living or make you feel obligated, saying you've got to... You've got to cater to our society, these ideas about gender and sexuality, roles for men and women, race or ethnic background stuff, skin color or use of pronouns. There's all these different pressures that we get from the world. And the world has a way of redefining love and kindness and to fit its own agenda. And so it, there's times we can feel obligated, we feel a sense of pressure towards that. So that's the secular world. Then in the religious world, sometimes, sometimes you may feel pressured into doing things with the church people or the religious people that you know, just man-made religious practices. Maybe you've been in a situation where you thought, man, this doesn't really feel right, or I don't really want to do that, but man, I feel pulled to conform to this group's ideas. So Paul says, you know, whether it's the deceptive philosophy of the world or the traditional religious practices, be careful that no one takes you captive. And he says that because it's easy for us to be taken captive. It's easy to be swayed and tricked. People make these arguments that sound so reasonable. And so sometimes we're easily persuaded. Um, in the next section of text, Paul sets the record straight. He brings us back to the defining moment of when we first put our faith in Jesus. In, chapter, in verse 9, he says, and so this, this actually, this will apply to you. If you have decided to follow Jesus Christ and he is your Lord and you have made him the boss of your life, this applies to you. He says, for the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ and you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. He's saying you don't need any additional or secondary experiences before God dwells in you fully. Now, this is mind-boggling. 
God fully dwelling in us. One of my favorite hymns is Be Thou My Vision. I don't know if you, actually we sang that on, uh, when we gathered, a small group of us gathered on um, New Year's Day, we sang this hymn together. And one of the lyrics, it says this, Thou my great Father, and I thy true Son, Thou in me dwelling, and I with thee one. Whenever I sing this, this just feels so profound to me that we get to be one spiritually with the God of the universe. Why would he give us such a privilege? So what, is it, what does it take to get the all-powerful creator of the universe to come dwell inside of me? What does it take for me to find peace with God and be reconciled to him forever? All it takes is faith in Jesus. It's so simple. It's, it's amazing how simple it is. Jesus plus nothing. You don't need to add anything to Jesus. So many people have wanted to say Jesus plus being a good person, or Jesus, but also make sure you're doing the right stuff, or Jesus plus get your act together. I've even been in churches where it was taught that there's a baptism of the Holy Spirit that comes after your decision to follow Jesus. Like you need to pray for a, a second super experience with the Holy Spirit, and that's really mandatory for full Christian living. And if you don't get that, it's, it's like you're living a subpar Christian life. My understanding is that when Jesus, who is God, moved into my life, he moved in the whole way, in his fullness, as it says here. So that's the first thing. Secondly, Paul goes on, verse 11, it says, we separate ourselves from sin. He says, you were circumcised in him with a circumcision not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. Um, this is a reference to the fact that many Jewish people this time were saying to the new Christians, you have to get circumcised. And if a person wanted to, do, to be a believer, this was a pretty heavy burden. To, it was not just circumcision, which would be obviously very painful, but also learning all of the old Mosaic laws and regulations and putting them all into practice. You, have, you can be a Christian, but plus you have to do all this other stuff too. So suddenly following Jesus was a massive and painful undertaking with a lot of requirements. So he's saying... You don't need to be physically circumcised or bound by the law of Moses. Instead, we need to have our hearts circumcised. In a spiritual sense, we cut off and remove our old life of sin. Really, to follow Christ, that's what it means. I'm going to stop doing my sinful ways. I know it's sinful, and I'm going to cut that out of my life. I'm going to move away from that. So after we separate ourselves from sin, then in verse 12, he says, it's a reference to baptism. He says, you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. We get baptized to symbolize our alignment with Christ. And I kind of like this because, you know, he wants us to be like him, so we do the things that Jesus did. To be a Christian, he could have made us be just like him and hang on a cross and then be thrown in a grave for three days. He could, that could be the requirement. Instead, he lets us do something that's symbolic of that. <laughs> that's, that's why we get baptized. Baptism is not something that saves us. It's not part of our salvation experience, but we do it because he's commanded it. He wants us to go through that symbolic representation of dying like he died, being raised to new life like he was raised. And so I, lo I love that, that symbolic experience. That's why we get baptized. And then the last thing that Paul says that happened when we committed our lives to Christ, is 
when you were dead, in verse 13, when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us, and he has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. So there's this incredible transformation that all happens through Jesus Christ. We go from dead to alive. We get to enjoy lasting victory over the enemy. We gain right standing with God, and all of that is accomplished through the power of Jesus alone. So there were some strict people in the time of the Colossians. They were, they were just giving them, these new believers, a hard time. Like, wait, wait a minute, you're not doing enough. Jesus is great, but you have to hold up your end of the bargain, or your good standing with God doesn't count. So, so Paul just says through all of this, don't get pressured into things that Jesus doesn't require. All these, these new believers are getting pressured. This includes man-made religious requirements. He says in verse 16, Therefore, don't let anyone judge you. And he says that because that was happening. People were judging them and pressuring them. Don't let people judge you in regard to food and drink or in the matter of a festival or new moon or Sabbath day. These are a shadow of what's to come. This substance is Christ. Um, this is a reference, again, to the Mosaic Law. There were, besides circumcision, there was also dietary restrictions, special holidays, festivals, religious practices. The new Christians were told, you're not doing enough. You have to follow all the rules. And this is called legalism. And sometimes Christians today fall into the trap of legalism, being overly pushy about the rules of Christianity. And then, you know, we reward or punish people based on how well they're following the rules. And somewhere along the way of legalism, the heart in all of it is lost. And it becomes an empty ritual, merely just doing the right things and avoiding the bad things. He says, don't get pressured into that. Don't get pressured also into hunting for supernatural experiences. He says, let no one condemn you by delighting in ascetic practices and the worship of angels, claiming access to a visionary realm. Such people are inflated by empty notions of their unspiritual mind. He doesn't hold on to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and tendons, tendons grows with the, with the growth from God. Um, this, was, this was a lie. Basically, the Christians were hearing, like, you haven't quite had the real spiritual experience yet. And this can happen today when people say that, you know, I've heard the key to pleasing God is the exercise of the spiritual gifts, especially the supernatural ones. And all of these you know, spiritual gifts and experiences are needed for a believer to experience Christian living as it was intended to be. This is, this was a, this is an idea that's prevalent today. And God does bless us with thrilling experiences sometimes. And occasionally that happens. Supernatural things happen. See God come through or just there's big things happen. But the tendency can be to worship the thrill or the supernatural experience, instead of the real God who provides it. And so I've, I've had people tell me that my apparent lack in certain supernatural habits means I, I haven't yet had the deeper level of Christian experience yet. I've been missing out. A driving focus on these special experiences can lead a person away from honoring Jesus and building up the body, as it says here. What happens when the focus is there, it says, he doesn't hold on to the head 
this, you lose grip with Jesus, from whom the whole body is growing. And then the last thing that people can get pressured into, he warns, is for asceticism. And this is self-denial, which Jesus did teach self-denial, but this one is misguided. It says, if you died with Christ to the elements of this world, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Why do you submit to regulations? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. All these regulations refer to what is destined to perish by being used up. There are human commands and doctrines. Although these have a reputation for wisdom by promoting self-made religion, false humility, and severe treatment of the body, they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence. So the basic lie here was um, you're, you're too free in your life with the things that you're enjoying. If you really want to be holy, you, need, you just can't do all this stuff. And so asceticism, asceticism is the concept that you can get to this really high spiritual state through extreme self-denial or even self-mortification. Um, it means abstaining from just the normal pleasures of life, denying yourself um, delicious food, drinks, marriage, sex, relationships, simple pleasures, all are things that can be rightfully enjoyed within the right boundaries. And so in truth, I'm actually going to, so I, I kind of flew through this chapter. Um, there's a lot of theology in it. But I do want to say, um, based on all that, there is a lot of freedom in the Christian life. These things mentioned by Paul, you know, the spiritual experiences and self-denial, there's actually, there's good things to it. Um, there's value, but Paul's just warning. He, want, he really wanted to warn these Christians against falling prey to people who judge you or condemn you if you don't measure up to their standards. And that's maybe, maybe you've experienced that where you feel like, I feel like I'm just not measuring up to this person's standards for how I ought to be as a Christian. And so here's one way you can apply this passage is, has anyone given you a hard time about the way that you're living? Um, if you've been judged or condemned, just look to Jesus for what he wants from you. Find out what God wants. Our goal is to walk in him, to please him, not other people. Jesus was the word who became flesh. That means God's word, the Bible, is the best source for finding out how we need to conduct our lives. And so maybe, maybe at times you've been like, I'm trying to, I'm being pressured, I'm trying to improve myself, or I'm trying to improve my position with God. This second chapter strongly reinforces this idea of Christ's supremacy that we looked at in chapter 1. So Jesus only, not Jesus plus. <laughs> you don't need secret knowledge. You don't need, um, you don't need to be able to talk to angels. You don't need these supernatural experiences that are just so hard to attain to. You don't need external things in your life. There's just kind of a relief in knowing, I don't need anything special to walk with Jesus. I just need Jesus. And so let me reread verse 6 and 7. This is, this is kind of one of my favorite verses in this chapter. He says, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as your Lord, continue to walk in him, being rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you are taught, and overflowing with gratitude. That's how I feel. I feel, even this week, with all the challenges that there have been, I feel like I'm overflowing with gratitude for God and for you and for what God is doing in my family and in my own life. And so you can sum it all up, this message up, by saying Jesus plus nothing equals everything. <laughs> it doesn't need to add anything. All we, have, we need is in him. The next chapter, chapter 3, 
gets very practical. This was kind of heavy doctrine. Next, next chapter is very personal and applicable. Paul paints a picture of what life rooted in Christ actually looks like. And so given our gratitude to Jesus, how, do, how is it that we walk in him? So until we get to next week, for the, until then, one way to, to respond to what God has done in your own life and to what's happening here is you, you can team with us, you can join with what's God doing in Valley Lights. Um, whatever degree that you participate in the ministry here, I do hope and pray that you do it freely and willingly. So I talked a lot about like pressure and obligation and condemnation. I hope when you take a step towards us, towards our community, and really towards Christ, that it's done freely and willingly because you want to. That's really a big goal for me is to create a church environment where there's freedom. You can engage at the level you want to. You can do what you're doing out of gratitude, not out of obligation or condemnation. So that's my hope. We invite you to explore Christianity at your own pace and to team with us at the level that you want to. So we invite you to walk with Jesus and to do that with our church family. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for your word and for the, the dense truth that is so helpful in guiding us forward in life. And we praise you right now. I just praise you for this day and for this space and for opening all the doors to get us here. Um, the many ways that you've helped um, remove the obstacles that have been standing in the way. And I thank you for the many people that have been teaming together throughout this week and actually the past few months to help us get here. I pray that you would allow us to engage many more unreached people and lead them to Christ and lead um, even Christians into a deeper, more mature walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.